Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And today, Father, I want to bring up an example that came to me during church, quite literally and physically. And I had a lot of thoughts about it, and I'm sure it's something that is common-ish, I guess. Um, So when I was receiving the communion, the actual wafer itself had had been broken like whenever he pulled it out you know it it just got a little little crack in it or something like that and all of these thoughts had come over me uh, being in the church and that that is the the body and blood of christ in the communion there in that yes the the physical aspect might have been broken and, and tarnished just as jesus was up on the cross that literally i walked past on the way back but the full and divinity was still whole and it was just this feeling and sense that had really come over me in that moment of of receiving the communion there and i wanted to share that with you because it was actually the same mass that that our um, diocese had told us of the restructuring and that there was a lot of a lot of people upset about that and maybe it's because that topic was on my mind and 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 i've received this particular host that that kind of overlaid maybe it is maybe it isn't Um, but it had just kind of thought that you know christ's body was broken but his divinity never wavered and at least that's that was the the feeling and impression i had so i just wanted to bring that up as a starting point because i'm sure that that all of us that have felt a point of brokenness at some point and that it was a big part of the gospel um to the point where jesus died for it so i wanted to start with that as the starting topic and and go from there. Yeah, what a beautiful reflection, and what a beautiful experience for you to have in prayer. And I want to say it's a great example of what happens when we go to Mass faithfully. You know, that's not an experience that you have every Mass, maybe even every year, but by continuing to pray, to receive Holy Communion, and to be in relationship with Jesus, it opens you up. You wouldn't have had that experience if you didn't go to Mass every week. You know? mm-hmm. So I uh, just want to highlight how beautiful that is, that it leads you to that kind of reflection. And, uh, yeah, certainly we recognize in the Church, which is the mystical body of Christ, that there is a divine aspect to it. There is a transcendent aspect to it, the the church has a kind of foothold in heaven where it's perfect, uh, finds that perfection in, in the Virgin Mary and in the Lord. And, uh, and then it's got this extension that spreads throughout the earth, and that really has the, still a, the, the qualities of fallen humanity. So we experience the, the brokenness of the church even though she's also in her center and in her 
kind of transcendent reality, she's also perfect and divine. And so uh, recognizing, you know, and that's such a hard reality to reconcile that, that we can be so broken and yet that there's something so perfect and so beautiful there at the same time. And we're always tempted to resolve that in one direction to say there's only brokenness or there's only perfection. Mm-hmm. We have a really hard time holding that kind of dialectic tension uh, between brokenness and perfection, that we have this infinite dignity as human beings and that nothing can take that away. We've been marked in baptism. We are united to Christ and his divinity. And yet at the same time, we really experience our brokenness. And when we just talked in our last podcast about pornography and just some of the horrific things that are there. And people can experience real shame because they struggle with that. And the enemy wants us to focus simply on the failures, simply on the sins. And we say, no, even that person who is a serious porn addict, even the person who's producing pornography still has an infinite dignity as a human being. We can't ever get away from that and and deny that. We need to hold on to that. Or we want to say, I don't ever want to look at my sin. Let's not talk about sin. Let's not think about sin. Let's just forget about sin. Uh, everything's fine. No, everything's not fine. <laughs> we're, we're sinners. There's brokenness here. And like you said, Joe, you know, Jesus, without losing his connection with the Father, without losing his perfection, his divinity, his, his uh, real presence in heaven, we might say, uh, you know, he totally plunged into our sin. He didn't commit sin, but he took our sin on himself. He took all of the brokenness of our humanity, sin and the, the brokenness that, that leads us to make bad decisions, do bad things, but not necessarily with the, the full act of the will, the guilt involved to call it sin, but our brokenness, our weakness, our sinfulness, he took all of it on himself and held on to all of that without losing his union with the Father. And in the end, what happened is sin and death were destroyed, and what remained was the union with the Father. And so that's the path. We're in the process of of receiving that transforming reality. He has won the victory. We are in the process of receiving that victory in the midst of our own sinfulness and brokenness. So... um, Anyway, both at the level of the church and at the personal level, we live in this very interesting tension between the sinfulness, which is true, and also the transcendent dignity and union with Christ, which is also true. Yeah, and I can see why that can be so hard for people to to grasp both sides of that. Um, as you gave the example of of essentially being dwelled upon all the negative or essentially pretending it's not there because I think for most of us I'm going to use an example from my world whenever you go to to buy paint and you want to have Keller in it they essentially shoot in the extract of the red and the extract of the blue and then they mix it all together and out comes green and I think that that can be hard you know for because it you put the blue in you put the red in um, I might have my colors wrong. Um, that might not turn in the green. That turns in the purple. But core concept, um, 
that it turns into something different and you can't see just the starting point of one or the other or the extracts it gets all mixed together um and i think that that while that happens in a lot of the world around us it's hard to to to, to pinpoint there um is there a way to get better at that uh well just to i'm going to need you to probably ask me that again uh to clarify that but just to draw attention i really like your contrast with the red and blue and purple um and that's not what happens with sin and grace <clears throat> they don't get blended the, the grace doesn't get watered down and the and the sin doesn't get sort of whatever watered down it's really like oil and water they don't they don't mix mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> that's uh that's the the part that we that we come to discover in ourselves ultimately we we're, we're trying to uh, sift out that that uh, that sin from our lives, eradicate it, you know, with soap or whatever. Um, we're, we're trying to eliminate that, but it never it never blends, and uh, so we experience that tension, you know, of well, I can see the grace, I can see the clear water, but I also see the splotches of oil, and I don't want to focus. You know, I can't reduce it to either one. But I, I didn't follow. What, what what were you asking me exactly about? Well, how to to essentially see that there's both, but be able to to do as you just said, as far as mention that to to soap away the the oil of sin there, to be able to to make it all the clear water. Well, I think we have to start with just the the presumption. For all of us, and that's what we do in the Mass, you know. We start every Mass by calling to mind our sins. We don't say, like, well, if you have any, you know. If you feel like you have some sins, why don't you call them to mind now? Uh, We're all sinners. And again, you know, just to be uh, precise, at least we've made mistakes. We've failed. We have imperfections. We're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And, And we can call to mind our failures, our weaknesses, our sinfulness, and then we're also going to call to mind God's grace. So we're going to make the intentional effort to recognize both and not be in denial that, oh, I'm not that bad, or, oh, you know, things are, uh, oh, there's no hope, you know. Uh, On the one hand, yes, I am that bad, and yes, there is hope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so not falling into the trap of denying either of those things, but acknowledging both of them, which, again, our prayer is well-structured to do. We go to confession regularly. We go to Mass, and we acknowledge our sinfulness, and we acknowledge the power of God's grace. Uh, just living our faith helps us to be in touch with both dimensions of ourselves. And that, that makes sense. Something that's probably you know, harder to do than to say. And why is that? Well, yeah, it's a good question. Why do we not... Um, like to look at those things. I, um, it's an interesting uh, discovery that we can look at our sins more honestly when we have hope. If we have hope that they can be, that we will be loved, then we can be more honest about our sins. So, 
if someone, you know, if we get in trouble and uh, our, our father says to us, I want you to tell me what you did wrong. No matter what you tell me, I'm going to love you. Then we're going to have more courage to say what we did wrong. Uh, on the other hand, the more that we acknowledge our sins, the more we realize how amazing that love is. Even though I did something this bad, my Father still loves me. But to, to kind of stretch it in both directions, being more and more clear about the gravity of our sins and more and more confident in God's merciful love for us, we have to sort of, you know, we do a little bit of push a little one way and then push a little the other way. We're sort of gradually expanding that space. Um, but yeah, it's the fear of rejection, the fear of uh, of being unloved, the fear of that there's no hope for me. Um, a lot of fear drives us to be in denial. When we're in denial about our sinfulness, we also end up being in denial about God's love for us. And that makes sense how fear can be uh, be one of those emotions that can really cause problems. Going back to a mm -hmm. cast of what about a month or so ago? So, um, so obviously we, we we've covered a lot of different topics here, Father. Um, as far as something that we're missing that we should use to progress it further to become closer in, in the healing, what would you focus on to to show people to do that? Well, uh, I think focusing on God's mercy insofar as we are able to believe the scriptures and there's a lot of beautiful teaching, one of the things that I found very helpful is, uh, is an insight of St. Therese of Lisieux, sometimes known as the little flower. And she was a Carmelite nun who lived at the end of the 19th century in France, but really had some incredible insights. And one of the things that she noted was that God has what she called pent-up mercy for us. So we can think of it like this. When I sin, there's mercy that starts to fill God's heart. He wants to give me that mercy, but he won't do it until I freely accept it, until I, which I do by asking for it. So he's not going to force it on me. So as long as I hold on to my sin and I don't receive his mercy, that mercy kind of builds up in his heart. And her image was, God has so much mercy built up in his heart, it's hurting him. He is aching to have mercy on us. But we're not asking for it. And so... The, the twist that she offers us is that when we ask God for mercy, it's doing him a favor. See, we get this idea like, oh, I'm bothering him, and if I asked him for less, then I wouldn't be bothering him as much, and he would be happy about that. But by not asking him for mercy, by not bringing our sins to him, we're actually hurting him. We're causing that mercy to get built up in his heart to the point that he's hurting to pour it out and so sometimes just reversing the perspective like that and 
and realizing that going to confession is not just an inconvenience, like God wishes we would just stop doing that. No, he's got so much mercy built up in our hearts. For us not to receive it is more painful for him. And sometimes that can give us a little positive energy, like an excitement of, oh, I, well, I want to ask him for a lot of mercy then. Good. Yes, that's the point. Ask him for a lot of mercy. <laughs> he really likes that. Well, I follow-up questions here, um, and this might seem seem off, but obviously we use the word mercy a ton throughout the the Mass and, and, and describing God. How do you teach someone who, like a child, for instance, who, who really doesn't know it, what mercy is and why it's important? Like, how do you teach that message? Well, I think we normally model that our understanding of God's mercy uh, starts with our understanding of our experience of human mercy. So what I just said about a father who says to their child, you know, the worst thing is for you to not be honest. I want you to be honest and tell me everything. Tell me what happened. And with great fear of rejection or severe punishment or whatever, when a child opens up and says everything, then and then receives, even if there is some punishment, not that, that punishment is, uh, uh, is bad in itself, as long as it's properly administered for the sake of the person, not for the sake of working out one's anger on another human being. But uh, anyway, being able to receive mercy is, is tremendously helpful. I, uh, I think of uh, an experience in my own life, in my monastic life, I, the uh, the prior of the monastery, he's kind of the second in command, deals with a lot of the internal issues in the monastery, uh, makes a list of mass assignments. And I realized pretty late in the day, like Friday night, that I was supposed to have mass on Sunday. And I had committed to another mass, and I had forgotten to tell the prior about it. And I just came like hat in hand. I have nothing to say for myself. I have no way to defend myself. I have no way to justify myself. It was entirely my fault. And now my problem was becoming his problem. And all I could do was beg for mercy. And when I presented the whole situation to him, he could have easily, and I would have, I expected it, you know, not because of him, but just because of my own fear to yell at me, to tell me, like, you better never do this again, and do you know the position you put me in, and how am I supposed to figure this out? Didn't even react. He just said, okay, let's figure it out and see what we can do. And I just was so overwhelmed with that. And he never punished me, never took it out on me. He found, he said, and I knew, I had looked at the list, I knew that there were a lot of mass requests. I thought, I don't even know if there's a priest available. I mean, I don't know if there's any solution to this problem. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna, what I'm going to do. So, But he was totally calm about it, just sat down, and he immediately got on my side and said, what are we going to – let's see what we can do about it, and was focused on helping me. And uh, just a beautiful experience. So sometimes we have an experience like that, and that's the kind of experience that parents should – eagerly seek to have for their children to let their children have experiences of mercy and that really opens us 
to discover and trust in the mercy of God, which is much greater. I mean, he's, God is merciful about everything in an even more radical degree. But sometimes that surprising experience of human mercy is a, is a pathway to receiving God's mercy. And, and that starts from being able to, to regulate yourself, you know, um, you know, that, that, uh, I believe it says Tyler's prior couldn't give that mercy received if he didn't have himself in check. You know, if his first reaction right. was, Oh, something else is going wrong and just blew up. Um, you know, as an important starting point of, of that. So I don't know if that that's patience or temperance or, or what the correct word is, but something that seems to be a prerequisite to giving out mercy. Yeah, that's right. We need to really develop that in ourselves. You know, we need to trust. And I'm sure for him, it comes from an experience of God's mercy for him and a confidence that it's going to work out. You know, God is going to provide. And so if we start with that presumption, then it really helps to not blow up. You know, ultimately, our anger is an effort to take control of the situation. You know, if you can beat the problem child down enough to stop creating problems, then you feel like you're a little more in control. But it's not a long-term solution. Mm-hmm. He could have beat me up, and uh, I would have just been that much more demoralized. Uh, I didn't need more of an object lesson. I mean, the pain of coming to him and admitting my failure and being at his mercy was enough to make me never want to do that again, to make me double check everything. And, you know, he didn't need to beat me up to make, to, to give me that lesson. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't waste any time on that uh, and was able to focus on the solution. And he had enough confidence in himself. He, he wasn't, uh, he didn't need to defend himself or, or protect himself. Um, so anyway, we could focus on taking the next step. Well, to take that example a step further, you cared enough to have that shame within you. Um, how do you develop that part of it? Because that's the other half of the coin. You know, if you come in and go, ah, I was late again. I don't care. You know, I, I mixed up my schedule. That's a you problem. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. You know, how, how do you develop that part within you? Well, that's where <clears> – <throat> it may be helpful to have some consequences. And and there are other monks, I think, that the prior uh, has some consequences with. You know, you made this mistake this time, and this is the effect of that. He's not doing that out of his own need to do that. He's doing that for the sake of the monk who is irresponsible. right? So uh, having, like, like I said, punishment and consequences are not evil things. They just need to be applied appropriately to assist the individual, not just to work out my own issues. You know, so um, that's certainly where parents disciplining, and it's probably where I developed it from. I mean, I have wonderful, uh, my, my parents were wonderful growing up and really helped me to uh, take responsibility and to recognize the impact of my my mistakes or my uh, my irresponsibility. So. But sometimes that needs to be formed in someone a little later on, optimally, that we can help to form that in children. Well, that that makes a lot of sense here, Father. So as we're coming to the conclusion of today's cast, do you have any other thoughts that you want to give to us here before we conclude? 
Well, yeah, I just think uh, as you brought out the point that we're a mix. You know, it's a, a mixture of, of sin and grace. It's a mixture of uh, of beauty and brokenness. It's uh, we're we're a mix, and there's something that's very comforting. That's a that's a relief just to recognize that. To not live under the burden of a false perfectionism, to not live under the burden of thinking that we're horrible. Um, it's a relief to be able to say, it's a mixed bag. My life is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. And I trust that God is bringing it in a good direction. And he can only do that if I show him the whole picture, if I don't hide anything from him. And uh, then he can make us saints. God can make us saints and he wants to. Beautiful. And that's a beautiful note to, to end upon here. So we, we thank everyone for listening, as always. And please follow us on Twitter at Facebook and Joe. And you know give us the retweets so we can grow it to more and more people on that platform. As well as to continue to give us reviews that you have on your subscription site where you're getting the cast from. As that always helps us grow as well. We thank you guys very much. And we will see you next week.